Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information and advisory services provider for emerging markets business executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with proprietary research, analytical tools, and data that help power their emerging market business strategies. The focus of today's podcast is a discussion of FSG's outlook for global economics for 2016. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group. I'm joined today in studio by Lauren Goodwin, FSG's lead global economics analyst. As a reminder, this research and all of FSG's content is available to our clients via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com or via your FSG iPad application. Lauren, welcome. Thanks, Rich. It's great to be here. That's great to have you. Let's jump right in. Throughout the strategic planning season in September and in October, we've seen FSG publish outlooks from each of our regions, and we know our clients are keenly interested in in those outlooks. What makes the global outlook different? Our global outlook is addressed to the head of international or anybody who's really thinking about big trends that could be impacting their business portfolio throughout the globe. So it's not just a roll up of those regional views put into one document, for example, but rather looks at some of the main drivers that we're seeing affecting all emerging markets, all countries, regardless of where they are. We published the first global outlook in February of this year to cover 2015. Uh, And as we know, it's been a bumpy ride for many of our clients. Let's do a little bit of a retrospective. What did we get right in that first report? The drivers that we identified earlier in the year have very much been the most important aspect of business in 2015. So some of the things for those who maybe haven't read the report, that energy prices would fall quickly and would stay low. That's very much been one of the most important aspects of the global economy this year. That one year. even dates back to 2014. Yes, yeah. um, that that capital would remain cheap. And this is part of our view looking forward, where even as interest rates rise, we think that interest rates are so far below 20-year averages that businesses have a lot of tools on their hands actually to make decisions. And we've seen that reflected in M&A numbers skyrocketing this year, um, companies really trying to put that cash to use somewhere in a strong dollar. So throughout the year, we have seen currencies depreciate substantially uh, globally against the dollar. And so we got those things right in terms of what would drive the business outlook. What did we miss? Probably what we missed the most was the, the pace and extent of these drivers. So if we got the story right, We probably saw, in fact, we did see energy exporters hurt worse and quicker than was within our view at first, and energy importers be helped less. And so the extent of the slowdown, we've certainly seen downward revisions since a year ago, both for 2015 and for 2016. And so it wasn't necessarily the direction, but exactly how far countries had to slide. We spent a lot of time this year helping uh, and speaking with clients about helping them plan for the primary impacts of the three main drivers you talked about, abundant capital, oil price decline, and currency, especially with a strong dollar. Can you talk a little bit about those actions and, and talk a little bit about how we helped clients plan for that? Um, and that's going to lead into my you know, going into next year questions. Sure. A, a lot of what we worked with clients on this year was sensitivity. Most clients agreed with the fact that these drivers would be important. Certainly as the year went on, they, it became clear that they would be important. But it's not just that these things are happening. It's what type of impact that's going to have on the markets that are most important to you and on your business as a result of that. And so we did a lot of work on if we see another 15% depreciation, what does that mean? If we see um, oil prices at $50 for the next four years, what does that mean? And so really thinking about how how these drivers impact your plan and if 
those drivers, the number, whatever it is that we decided isn't the number in your plan, what sort of confidence do you have in your team to adjust if something goes wrong, no matter what that something is? And so let's talk a little bit about next year, 2016. What should companies expect to see if those drivers that we just talked about aren't going away? i.e. what are the incremental drivers that uh, we should be on the lookout for in the global outlook? Absolutely. In 2015, as you're suggesting, the low energy prices, currency volatility, those are things that were primary drivers of the slowdown that we've seen in emerging markets, and we think we'll continue to see in emerging markets. Those were new storylines, and now they're baked into the base case. Exactly, exactly. So these are now base case very much considered in our analyst forecast. And now what we're looking at in terms of secondary drivers is how governments react. So a tough year for both governments and businesses you can write that off both because you made your plan a year ago and it's disrupted. We'll just sort of push it under the rug to the extent that we can and do the best that we can. When you look at a second year of growth, you can't wait and see anymore. And we're seeing that certainly in the way that governments are reacting. They've seen the dust settle and we're seeing them react in different ways that's contributing to the slowdown in emerging markets. So government revenues are low, meaning that spending's under pressure. And so for some governments, um, like in Kazakhstan, that's meant a releasing of their currency peg against the dollar. And that was a 50% automatic depreciation. For others in the Middle East and North Africa, it could be a release of subsidies to business and and consumers. And in in many cases, it's not that the government wants to make disruptive changes. It's just that they're caught between a rock and a hard place with these lower revenues. And so they are being forced to make pretty difficult decisions. And as these decisions are made, the result is slowing growth and changing cost assumptions for our clients. Before we continue, I think it's worthwhile, Lauren, to maybe take a quick around the world tour and just talk about, you know, what this slowing growth environment really means by the numbers. And we'll stay at the the highest level of GDP, but just to get a sense of how GDP uh, forecasts have changed for 2016 year on year. And so maybe we start with Latin America and then and then we can kind of go around the world quickly. Sure. Okay. So you want to start with with sort of the, the sad case. Well, I'll, I'll talk about compared from a year ago when we were forecasting 2016. Latin America has, has fallen a long way from about 4% to about 1% in terms of GDP growth for the whole region. Now, of course, that's weighted heavily from the recession that we've seen in Brazil, a major market there, but also um, a lot of the Latin American environments have seen very heavy currency depreciation. They're energy exporters, and so a big fall there. We've seen a similar dynamic in Central and Eastern Europe, again, mostly weighed by the impact of Russia. And, and that's a similar fall from about 4% to about 2%. Um, but not all of the stories around the world are quite so negative. We do see positive stories in Western Europe and in Asia Pacific, where there's been very minimal revision. Um, certainly China is the big outlier there, where we, we've seen a slowdown in China, but we're not seeing a, a catastrophic landing there. And then the, the slowdowns in countries like Sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East and North Africa have been apparent, about a 1% slowdown, but we're still looking at 4.5% growth and 3% growth there, respectively. So globally, about two and a half, three percent? Yes, sir. And that's down a bit from what we thought would be about three, yeah, three and a half? It, our, our forecast was at about 3.1 percent, and now we're looking at about 2.6 globally. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. And, and so a lot of our clients have very large portfolios. They've made big investments in these countries. If we're expecting, you know, a continued set of challenging conditions and, and some of these secondary drivers of disruption, what should they be doing? 
The biggest issue here is that for most of our countries, these disruptors aren't in our base case. When our analysts take their best stab at what they think will happen for 2016 for their country, they are in, in many cases, not all, but many cases predicting sort of a, a slow trudge along. But what's happened is that the downside scenario has become so much more likely compared to the upside potential for a lot of countries. And so for our clients, what we're urging is that you pay particular attention to contingency planning, scenario planning for those disruptions. And, and what we help them to do there is both in terms of calling out those, those possible disruptions in our regional outlooks and events to watch report, but also in monitoring the signposts of those disruptions every single month in our forecasts and in our monthly market monitors. Do you see currency uh, taking another leg down? And if so, to what magnitude? Because I think that's been the biggest issue in this past year. Three of the worst currency quarters of all time three of the worst five of all time have happened this year. Have we seen the worst of it or are we going to see another major leg down? I think we see another major leg down. Now we might not see a 20 billion and 30 billion dollar leg down the way we've seen recently, but we are expecting another eight to 15% on average depreciation next year, which is pretty substantial. And that is based on our expectation that the US will be, uh, will be at play in terms of raising interest rates and that local currencies will be reacting to that. One of the sets of actions that you recommend in the report that clients take is just a, a revisiting of their market uh, prioritization or, or their portfolio allocation as it relates to their investments. There's been a lot of changes lately in terms of how clients define, quote unquote, a market in the past year. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that key takeaway and, and what we're hearing from clients and how we're counseling them to address this exercise at maybe a more granular level? Absolutely. This, to be honest with you, is one of the most fun conversations that we have with our clients because the way that they think about a market is changing. And what what I mean by that is as growth is slowing, growth in a portfolio sense isn't just out there to be grabbed by the next sort of obscure market. There's no guarantee that 4% out of a smaller country in Africa is worthwhile if you're expecting these disruptions. And so what we're seeing for our clients is a pressure to localize. But you can't localize everywhere. And so they're being very careful about where that incremental investment might be. So if you think about a a country like Turkey, for example, um, we've just had elections, politics very uncertain. The outlook has a, a pretty big downside risk to it. But in the long term, clients almost unanimously see Turkey as a really big opportunity. So what do you do in this year or two where you expect disruption, you expect slow growth. And this is what's happening in in lots of major markets, but clients are thinking, okay, I don't want to get out of Turkey, but could I look at a individual part of Turkey, maybe a city, maybe I focus on Istanbul and Ankara right now in order to attack that luxury spend, the the higher consumer spending, the higher inflation, and and where the governments are spending the most on infrastructure. Or maybe, you know, Brazil is slowing, but is every single state slowing? Or is there still some infrastructure investment in in individual states. So it's quite important that this prioritization exercise takes place uh, in many cases at the subnational level, o- almost always now, and also potentially even uh, around different customer segments within that subnational framework. Yes, and customer segments is a really interesting question. Because of these currency volatility shifts, we've seen the addressable market for our clients move or even disappear. And so rigorously rethinking that dynamic, who really am I serving? And is that the customer that is going to give me the most profitability? A lot of our clients have seen that matrix in terms of where the best bang for their buck is coming from shift in this environment. 
You also talk in the report about pricing, and we have gotten a lot of questions about pricing uh, from our clients, especially because of the currency swings. What is kind of uh, the advice we're giving to clients and, and how, to, how to address pricing? Pricing is by far the most common executional question we've been getting. One of the most striking things about those questions is that they come in lots of different forms and shapes and sizes. A lot of times a, a question about channel, oh, you know, my channel changed the price of my product without my permission. How should I be benchmarking that? How should I be working with them on that? That's actually in a way a pricing question. And those questions have come up in every single part of the strategic planning process and every single part of what we call the pricing food chain, who could be making these decisions. And so what we are urging our our clients to do is consider not just what should the price be, which is a tempting question, right? What, what should the price be? What are you expecting for the exchange rate so that I can build these assumptions into my plan? But rather, who are you empowering on your team? Who has that decision-making structure? Do they have the tools that they need? And what really is your strategic objective to meet for them so that individuals all the way through your process and in your strategic planning can get you to that price point that not only is the right number, but also is the right addressable market with the right marketing strategy, the right product positioning for your for your strategic objectives. All right, Lauren, I have two other questions, I'm, and I want to be sensitive to time, but I think they're important ones. The first one is a lot of what we've talked about is boy, it's going to be tough for another year. Don't, don't expect just because the calendar turns, things are going to get better in the near term. But are there, and, and, and if so, where are there pockets of growth and opportunity? In other words, at, at what point does emerging market uh, growth premium erode so much that the risk outweighs the reward? And, and are we there or are there still plenty of opportunities? Oh, there's still plenty of opportunity. It's just about paying a lot of attention, essentially, to put it very colloquially. This is the time to drive efficiency in your organization. For example, not everybody grows or improves via acquisition. But if that is part of your growth strategy, this is the opportune time to do it. And we're seeing a lot of clients think not just about this challenging environment, but can we take a hit maybe on margin to build market share, for example. And so for some companies, it really is going to be hold on and we'll do we'll be doing our best to keep them abreast of some of the situations as they change. But for those that are ready to take advantage of this environment, our, our clients have a real leg up on some local market competitors. So opportunities uh, abound geographically, but, but will require a little more selectivity subnationally. They abound strategically, uh, either via inorganic drivers where we have a favorable M&A environment or strategically by uh, making choices of potentially going for market share short term over margin to, to, to do the land grab, basically. Exactly. Okay. Last question. How long is this going to last? Is, is this a, a forever story? Uh, what breaks the cycle? There, there are a couple of things that could break the cycle, neither of which are going to happen in 2016, but it's worth explaining. So one is that that government action that we were talking about, governments spend to stimulate the economies and, and make sure that we don't see quite the growth slowdown so that some of these other drivers improve. We don't see that happening just because of the pressure that government budgets are under um, and, and how much their main exports in many countries have been taking a hit. The other thing that could change this environment is normalization of monetary policy. A lot of what we're seeing is driven by the Fed in the United States. And so very clear guidance on exactly when interest rates rise and what that looks like would help to ease some of the dollar strength and, and ease the environment that emerging markets are facing. Neither of these things is going to happen in 2016, certainly. 
the farther out we get, so when we're looking at 2017 and 2018, these drivers are in a vicious cycle, so we don't see them necessarily improving on their own. But the likelihood of Saudi Arabia or another important energy exporter saying, we just can't do this anymore, starts to increase such that you have a shakeup that that sort of resets this global cycle. But outside of that sort of crazy event, we don't see that being likely certainly next year. Speaking of crazy events, our next discussion will feature our events to watch flagship piece. And uh, and there we will talk about some of the events, and, uh, both on the disruptor side and on the opportunity creation side. So we'll look forward to that conversation. Lauren, thank you so much for this time. I encourage all of our clients to read this report. If you're interested in having a briefing or Q&A session with Lauren directly or any member of the FSG research team, you can do so at any time by scheduling it via your FSG client relationship director. And as a reminder, you can access all of our research, leading indicator data, and all of our content on our FSG portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. And while you're there, please check out the new Frontier View dashboards. It's a wonderful uh, visualization and content aggregation tool uh, that I think you'll find to be very, very exciting. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your emerging market portfolio.